0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Everything Co-op this beautiful Thursday morning. Today, we have the absolute pleasure of having Dr. Cynthia Pinchback-Hines on with us. Good morning, Dr. Pinchback-Hines. How are you doing this morning? I am great. How are you? I'm fantastic. And we're going to have the chance to talk about Co-op Cynthia and Co-op and the things that you guys are doing in Ohio. But I want to first get a little sense of who you are and how do you got into co ops. So, how did you find out about co ops? Well,
1: I found out about co ops about 10 years ago. In fact, when Co op which was then called Cincinnati Union Cooperative Initiative, when they first started, uh, my husband and I were both very involved in community activism, social change, social justice, and we attended an event. I can't recall the exact event, but I think, I think it was um, perhaps um, one that was sponsored either by CUCI at that time or uh, a union event. And uh, we were asked if we would be interested in joining the board. But this was after, you know, talking with some of the folk and listening to um, their plans. And we both thought it's transformational definitely so uh, let's let's do it and so my husband and I both joined uh, the board back ten years ago and uh, since that time you know we've been you know involved my husband unfortunately he I mean his health has um, had him you know not participate in the past couple of years however I've continued I retired from a teaching position and Then asked, hey, am I needed in some other way? And I was told, yes, we have some other plans, some other things we want to do. And I just jumped for it. Yes. Now I'm all in, and I am excited about what I'm doing and about what all the wonderful
0: things are happening around co CNC. So 10 years ago, you found out about co ops And you said you just retired. So you found out about it. You only look like you're about 30, but if you retired, you got to be a little bit older than that. Okay. So at your, at least at the end of your teaching career, you found out about co ops. And you're a doctor. So you didn't find out about it in any of your, like me, you didn't find out about it in any of your formal education about this co op work. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: that's that's right. You know, in in formal um, education all those years and even having taught higher education most of the time, and I I, uh, ended my career teaching secondary ed, I had, I guess, um, maybe just missed, (laughs) either missed or was misinformed or, again, just ignorant. That's all there is to it, you know, until I was approached by them. And then over the years became, of course, more and more curious, um, you know, having been a member of the board and then seeing, again, how um, these wonderful, really young individuals, you know, started and then they planted seeds. They worked, I mean, very, very vigorously, very, very diligently, you know, in in the field and uh, they were able to, you know, nurture it. Again, we had some wonderful support um, from uh, Michael Peck and from some of the, you know, other people who had already been in this space. And so from there, you know, I just wanted to know more and more.
0: Um, know more and more. So as an educator, what did you teach? I got, like me, I have a bachelor's degree, a master's in math, and an MBA, and I heard nothing about co ops in that formal education. You went all the way through a PhD and did not know, and you said you taught. So, what did you teach?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I taught courses primarily in English undergrad major. I was an English undergrad major. And then also uh, majored in evolving speech, and it was called speech education at Ohio State. I wanted to be, um, I was a Thespian, okay? So I thought about pursuing acting to some extent, you know, at one point. And um, then I decided, no, that's really not for me. But I taught primarily uh, courses in English, English composition. I taught public speaking. I taught some courses in journalism, even. and then when I did get my PhD in educational leadership for higher ed, I was at a point then where I, was, I had already started working, and I was more interested then in courses that involved social change. So um, that's what I did most of my career. And then I ended secondary ed teaching English, 10th grade English
0: in high school. So I taught twelve years in my career um at the college level eleven of those, teaching math and then business. Again, nothing in co ops. So you weren't teaching business or entrepreneurship or anything like that. You're teaching us what I still need help in is English and speaking. So you're teaching that those those skills. Nowhere are you in this whole realm of business or co-ops or capitalism. And so you're just doing social work. So, um, and you, get, you hear about and are asked to be on the board. That's how I got it. So this is like somebody saw something in you and your activism and they wanted you to, to join this. Is that that's it? I, that, I think you, you summed it up. You really summed it up.
1: I was very connected to community and, again, social change. And I and and that came from my background. I grew up in the South. I grew up in Virginia, in a town that was a small town, and we had a lot of restrictions as African Americans because that was during Jim Crow days and and all that. And so I'm I'm one of the relics who still remembers the signs, you know, separate signs, the you know, white only uh, signs. I remember, you know the times of uh, demonstrations and protests through family members, and also, well, put it this way, uh, there were difficult times. And um, my um, church happened to be uh, the largest black church in my hometown, and we had a very active NAACP. My pastor, in fact, was was the president of NAACP for her chapter for 40 years. And so I grew up with that social justice background, you know. It was just basically ingrained. And when I could see, as a child, you know, social injustice, then it would yeah. bother me. And I had a curiosity beyond my parents' comfort level. Sometimes, you know, I was the one who was going to try to find out, like, you know, what does that water taste like on that side, you know? So.
0: And, uh, and that, and that white-only fountain. I got my hands smacked yeah. when I was about five for going to that white-only fountain. I didn't know I could read. And, and so, yeah, I got that. I was never curious about how it tastes. I guess when I got my hands smacked, I didn't even want to go close to <laughs> the white-only fountain. Uh, or right. it go to the movies. We had to go in the balcony. And I still I prefer the balcony when I go to places, but that was the only choice we had, and we had to go through the side entrance of the movie house. Right. So yeah, a lot of interesting things growing up. And so, what right. city were you in, Virginia? Danville.
1: I was in Danville, Virginia. It's about forty-five miles north of Greensboro, North Carolina. So we're right there, at the border of North Carolina. It's about ten minutes from my my house. My Home. We could just drive across the board, and we often did. You know, of course, go to uh, maybe Greensboro for a Sunday drive. You know, to check out the houses there that we
0: couldn't. You know, you
1: know, really either afford or we weren't going to be welcomed
0: in. But we would do that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I grew up in yeah. Bluefield and went to Bluefield State College, and there were a lot of uh, kids from Danville, Virginia, that went to Bluefield State and. Uh, I went there in '66 and graduated in '70. So yeah, and I've been through Danville several times. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I get it. It's a place that people go through a lot. I notice yeah. that you know most people.
1: You know, if I'm if I'm talking to a group of individuals and then they're, you know, there's a huge audience, I and mean, it could be a huge audience, it could be a smaller audience, and I ask, "Has anybody ever heard of?" It? And then they'll go, "Oh yeah, I've heard of it. I've Driven through there, and uh, so yeah. And I remember Bluefield State, too, because I have relatives who actually uh, attended Bluefield State.
0: So nowhere in Bluefield State did they teach about co-ops. Okay. And later in in uh, Dr. Uh, Jessica Gordon-Emhardt's book, Collective Courage, I found out that the students at one point, I don't know if it was the 40s or 50s, but the students owned the bookstore at the cooperative at Bluefield State. And all she said in her yeah. book was that it, it disappeared. And I'm... It was interesting. And it would sound Mm -hmm. like it was doing good work because the profits they used to give scholarships. And so they were doing scholarships Mm -hmm. at Bluefield State. So there's a lot of history about co-ops. And unfortunately, we didn't teach it. We didn't learn it. Or it wasn't taught. It wasn't that we missed it. It wasn't taught. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had mentioned maybe you had missed it earlier. So, okay, so that's your background. And you also told us how we got into co-ops. Uh, so what are you doing right. now with, in, in Co-op Cincy?
1: Well, now my primary role is that of racial justice educator and co-op developer. And I am um, the person who's leading the effort for Power and Numbers Black Co-op U. It's a 14-week intensive training where we have participants with go through every Tuesday evening. Right now it's Tuesdays so from 6 to 8 um they cover you know um soup to nuts as they say or uh, you know everything that they need to know about i
0: want i want to talk like to you the your,
1: your show, everything about
0: <laughs> so i want to talk to you about the soup to nuts when we come back after the break we're going to uh, take our first break and we'll be right back up really want to know about this power numbers we'll be right back please don't touch that dial Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Co-op, and we have Dr. Cynthia Pinchback-Hines, uh, who is telling us about her history growing up in Danville, Virginia, getting educated with a doctorate uh, and not knowing anything, not being trained at all about co-op, which is similar to my experience. Uh, Dr. Hines is an educator. She taught most of her career at the college level and English and speech and all of those things about ability to communicate. And then she ended her career, retired as a 10th grade English teacher. She holds a PhD in education leadership and she started Virginia state, Delaware state, and served as associate dean of African American affairs and ethnic service at Northern Kentucky university. Tremendous amount of knowledge. And somebody asked her with her uh, social uh, justice uh, to be on the board of co-op Cindy and she and her husband said yes and she learned about co-ops and now she's working with them so right before we took the break you told us about you uh, in charge of racial justice and co-op development at at the uh co-op Cincy, and you were talking about power in numbers Co-op U, what is this Power in Numbers Co-op U? All right, so
1: Power in Numbers by Co-op U is a um, program that uh, came about as a result of a grant that we received from Common Future. The first cohort that we had took place earlier this year. It started in April, and for 14 weeks, we ran the program till the very last day, which was July 6th. Okay, so on July 6th, that was the culmination of all of you know the learning the training where the participants and we had five teams, meaning five different businesses that applied for the program, five businesses uh, that that applied and were selected okay so there were more that applied, and we were able to uh, share with them as much as we knew you know about what it would take for them to be successful we had really followed what Co-op Cynthia already started, which was a national Co-op U. And what we did with this program is just contextualized it to reflect the black experience. So that's that's basically what we did because they were all African Americans who participated in this particular program. And they worked diligently, I mean, really did some, some tough work. Every week there was homework. Every week there were presentations. And, you know, it it would get to the point almost a go, no go, because there's nothing that says that you have to be a co-op, you know, once you're done with this program. It was more or less, you know, you you came in understanding co-ops. Now that you know them better, are you sure this is where you want to take your business? This is where we had the most mature business that came in, had already been operating for about a year. The others were newer or somewhat new, but they'd all had experience in their respective businesses. And at the very end, which was that uh, 14th week, we had a, a pitch. They all had to create a pitch, develop a pitch, which they worked on, of course, for weeks leading up to it, because we told them from the beginning there would be a competition. And at the end of the competition, uh, we had uh, our judges who were selected from uh, the community primarily and, uh, and beyond. I said beyond because we also had, you know, a few others as well outside of Cincinnati. But these were folk who were either uh, members of our board. We had a board member there. We had, uh, you know, a few business owners, a um, person, you know, who was involved with the Urban League. We had just different facets of the community represented as judges, and they selected the best pitch from those. And we had five businesses, and I can share them with you now and what they did. Who are they? One was called uh, Body yeah. by Baji, uh, which is a manufacturer a manufacturer of a swimsuit that can be worn 12 different ways. Okay, so this is a, a mother or grandmother, excuse me, grandmother and granddaughter starting this business. And there's so much potential, perhaps the one that was determined to have the, the the greatest capacity, you know, for for earning because it's global wide. Another business is called Hopes Fulfilled Farm to Table, which is very unique because they've taken a, a a just not just a food truck, but they've converted a school bus to a food truck. That's also an experiment for learning. It becomes a uh, uh, an actual laboratory for um, for teaching students as well as having the students serve and and get paid, you know, for for doing this. We have Queen Mother's Market, which was a business that starts out as being a full fledged one to have a grocery store for one of our food deserts, which is in Walnut Hills. Well, after going through this process, you know, the the person that led this particular business decided Well, let's start with the Buyer's Club, because actually, you know, brick and mortar right now is a little premature. We have to work our way to that. So she started a Buyer's Club where, you know, other folk can buy into it as well. And then we had a T-shirt company started by a church that wants to um, create jobs for their members and the community. And the fifth is called A Touch of TLC, Home health care for Women. We've come together, and we had all have experience in the home health care industry, and they've come together to form a business that ended up being the winner for this pitch. So they won the pitch, ten thousand dollars, which was you know seed wow. money, of course. Ten thousand dollars was the the award for that, and um, and then as a as a consolation prize, each one of the actual um, businesses received $2,000 just for participating and being fully incorporated as a co-op, you know, in the end. So we support, and the thing about Co-op Cincy is that we have great, well, first of all, dynamic people working. When I first came there, and I'm going to name some names, we had Ellen Vera, who does a lot of the, most of the grant writing and grant work. But then also we have the executive uh, director, you know, Kristen Barker, who is absolutely superb in the work that she does. We have Paloma Correa, who's done fantastically in terms of being able to, you know, connect all of these different businesses. And uh, she's also set in to help with communications. And she's done, you know, a superb job in whatever she touches, to put it that way. Uh, we have some new folks on board. Clancy McGillian helping us with our communications, and then Angelica Coley just joined. We have Christopher Bennett, who's over the Business Legacy Fund. Oh, by the way, Angelica is our operations office manager now, and also a co-op developer. We're just excited. We have um, another person, Be Newberry, who's helping with some of our writing. So we we have a, an excellent staff, and four of those individuals I just named were just hired within the past few weeks because we've grown
0: out you
1: know, outside of,
0: yes, we're growing. You're growing. Uh, And so listen, mm -hmm. I would like to go back to a touch of tender loving care, home health care services. Okay. Okay. They won the $10,000. There are four women and they're Mm in the home health care. Right. Okay. Was this the group that had had the the one year experience or was this a new uh, co-op, new business?
1: Actually, this was the one—the one that had the one-year experience—and it was interesting because we had six criteria for the judges to look at, you know, to determine, you know, who We looked at, you know, all all different criteria. That's—I wasn't involved in the judging myself, but um, the judges did look at each one and, you know, believe that this was the business, this was the right time, and the timing. This was the the business that. Made the case would have the greatest impact even on community you know at this particular time, so there were a number of variables that were involved, but in the end, you know that's that that was their choice. That's I fantastic. thought the presentations were all excellent um it would have been tough for me I had no no idea we those of us who were on staff and in the prison at that time had absolutely no idea who was going to win until that winner was announced
0: so. I've got that there are five in this last cohort. We're going to take Mm -hmm. our next break here in a minute. But a touch of TLC Home Healthcare was the winner. There are four women that started this home healthcare uh, service. Now, the Mm -hmm. CDL, uh, the Co-op Development Fund, has some funding for groups like this, home healthcare services, Mm -hmm. and they also Mm -hmm. have an annual meeting and I've been trying to get people – well, we're going to take our break, and then we're going to come back and talk about what happens in this next cohort and how people can get involved with this and with other resources around to help them get started. We're mainly talking about Cincinnati, and we're going to talk about Dayton, but there's also some co-ops in Cleveland. So our house got a lot going on, but so we'll be right back. Don't touch the doubt. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. and program is Everything Cooperative. We have Dr. Cynthia Pinchback-Hines uh, on today with us. The Cincinnati Inquiry named her one of the 10 most influential educators in Cincinnati and presented her with a diversity leadership award. And this is the work that she did as a, an educator. And she told us earlier that she learned about co-ops because she went to a meeting and they asked her to be on the board, eventually asked her to be on the board. And she had really liked the organization, Co-Op Sensei, and the different co-ops, the energy, the young folks, getting things done. So we talked about the first cohort that they put through, graduated, the five co-ops, and then the winner of $10,000 and the other four got 2000 each. When is the next cohort, Dr. Hinchback-Hines, and how does one find out about this organization and how they can get into this next cohort? So they have 14 weeks of training, of learning.
1: hmm mm-hmm. All right. Um, the next cohort starts October 5th, and that's just a few weeks from now. The application deadline is September 25th, which would be next Saturday. So, um, what what a person needs to do is to just go to our website, for one. Um, it's very simple. It's co org. That's co op. It looks like C O O P, as in Paul. Cincy is C I N C Y.org. And um, then they can go to the drop-down at the top, and they'll see Co-op you, Black Co-op you. That's, that's all they have to do is pull up the application. And, of course, if you get the information in by the deadline, then you can still possibly meet the uh, date for starting, which is, again, October the 5th. And we will start, and we will continue through. And best, this will actually carry us the 14-week because holidays will carry us through January 11th would be our last date of attendance. And um, the way you get in touch with me is through my email, which is Cynthia, C-Y-N-T-H-I-A at org. and that's
0: that. Okay, so I went on online while you were talking and I went to Co op, C O O P, C I N T U I dot org, and the picture of Cincinnati shows up with the bridge and mm-hmm. Co op And over on creating, the right hand
1: side, you see the drop down, the little three little lines over on the right, there'll
0: be a drop down for you. See that? No, what I see is Co op says create an economy that works for all, which I like. And then it says apply now and transition your business to worker ownership? Yes. I don't see that. Okay. that is
1: a diff- if you look at the top, the very top of co- where it says Co op the you see the skyline. Above the skyline, on the right hand side, there are three red lines. That's the drop
0: down. I see about us, updates, union co ops, business legacy, co op you. Co op you. That's it. And so, um, so I go to co-op. I see co-op you and Power in Numbers, Black-owned cohort of co-op you. Since right. I'm Black-owned, I'm gonna click on that one, Power in Numbers. That right? Is that's, that it? That's what you do. And then I see applications do when I scroll down the page.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, I see the the picture of what looks like a panel. One, two, three, four, five, six people, and I I met this young man to have the microphone from Dayton. Yeah, I have met him. I've been to three of your annual meetings in Cincinnati, and I met him there. And I go scroll down the page, and it says uh, right before applications. It says work it and own it. Mm-hmm. Applications due September the twenty fifth. Right,
1: and then even underneath that, you can see a video of. Some of the participants, some of the participants from our first cohort. Where they just one of our interns was kind enough to video this and she
0: did a great job with that. Do you have to be the criteria you have to be in Cincinnati, a business in Cincinnati or Ohio or No, in-
1: that that is an excellent question. No, you do not have to be. We've we've had um, applications from other cities. As well, I know for national co-op, you certainly get them from everywhere. Our first cohort we did, we left it to just Cincinnati, but this one, it, you and because it's virtual training, it's virtual. You can do it from anywhere. It's very convenient. Just be in front of your uh, screen and have your Zoom on for two hours on a Tuesday evening from 6 to 8, and the time goes by so fast, it really does very quickly, okay
0: okay so so everybody out there and I think this is phenomenal that's open reason I wanted to know is because I have three other people that we're we've started um, a well we're starting everything co-op communications LLC which is going which is a media cooperative, but we haven't done the the, the guts of it. Because in D.C. you need five members to form a co-op in D.C. law. I noticed you always mm-hmm. talk about two members and four members. And so mm-hmm. if at Cincy law, maybe we'll open it up in census. but Or we'll, we're looking for the fifth member. And then do all of the work of getting the bylaws and figuring out uh, when we meet and who's going to be on the board and how we govern and all of that. I mean – yeah, I you know, hey, I might put in one between now and September 25th see if we can get the four people that have said they want to be a part of this uh, media mm-hmm. co-op to join us in. So is it all, like the persons that won this, did you need all four of them there every time, or every Tuesday from 6 to 8? Yeah, one of our requirements is that,
1: you know, uh, is attendance. Uh, we did have some uh, exceptions where... There were people who had either school hours, or well, I, I think there were two individuals who had what we call perfect attendance. Um, uh, we had some unfortunate things happen. We even had one woman who called in, even though her brother had passed, and she, you know, called in from you know her uh, from that. So, but what what we found is that the the people who started attending did not want to miss. They didn't want to miss. This is a team effort. And what I love about it is that we, as Co-op Sensei, live the values and we push the values, you know, meaning that we that's our expectation, you know, the values. This is not something that you come in individually and think that I'm going to make a lot of money. That's no—it's not, a, it's not about that because we put people before we do profit, you know, for And then... It, it, it was amazing. We had teams who, you know, from the beginning said, you know, they did not want to, people didn't want to speak. and then, But we encouraged them, and they had opportunities to present. Everyone did. We had comments like, you really build our confidence in just presenting and marketing and being able to, you know, look at our financials more seriously. You know, ask the tough questions. Those are the types of things that we were doing during those 14 weeks that led up to the pitch. Because we said everything that you do here can be applied to your pitch in some way. And they only had guess how many minutes? Five. They, right. That was that was the max. Actually, we said three minutes.
0: Three oh minutes. Oh my goodness. Minutes. Okay. Right. Okay. So they had that to do a, a real lot. Elevator
1: pitch. And that's the real elevator pitch. Exactly, and then did it with slides, with everything else, you know. So we were really intent on keeping everything, you know, tightly run, just for the fact that we only had the 14 weeks for one. And we just knew, in some cases, you know, where where people came in just not knowing as much as they thought they knew about cooperative um, business, the, the cooperative business model. Then uh, this gave them an opportunity to learn from others as well. They, you know, some of them when they came in, they they thought they were alone, but you know, really by the end of the second session, especially, they realized that oh, there are a lot of similarities here, even though our businesses are very different. And that's um, so always
0: amazing to me.
1: how uh, the amazing. business
0: can be so different in terms, whatever they product is or service. But the inner workings of the business are so, so similar, the systems very of the similar. business. Right. And, and w- working with people and solving conflicts, uh, making decisions together, very, very similar. Very, very similar. Okay. so I just want to summarize here real quick, because this is exciting to me, is that you go to coopcency.org. It is exciting. It really is. Okay. Uh-huh. C O O P dot and then it will take you to their home page. And at the top, you click on Co-Op U, and you have two things. You can hit click on Co-Op U or Power and Numbers. That's for Black-owned, the black-owned Co-Op, and that's, right. the, that's the group that Dr. Pinchbeck-Hines is shepherding, managing. Mm-hmm. They had five uh, businesses last time. And this goes from September from applications are due on September the twenty fifth. They start on August the fifth and they finish on October, January the eleventh October. 11th. October. I, I was looking at October and said August. <laughs> October the fifth is when you start and it goes to January the eleventh. And I'm gonna to talk to the four people in in this that have said that they wanna join this club to see if we wanna fill out this application and join. It's a commitment of fourteen Tuesdays. From six o'clock in the evening to eight o'clock in the evening. Two hours yes. every Tuesday. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the, would, and here, here's, the,
1: here's here's another thing. Um I mean we also have Co op U, this national co op U. We want people uh if you're not African American, certainly apply for that as well because we'll start those in early next year, early twenty two. So we'll start seeing the applications for that as well. I'd like to put a pitch in also for some of our other important uh, projects, like the business, excuse, business legacy fund, which is uh, phenomenal. This is for, you know, businesses that want to leave a legacy, but they don't have anyone to leave it to necessarily. Think about leave it to your employees. And then we help those businesses transition from, you know, a traditional business base to a cooperative business
0: model. And um,
1: we're, we're excited about that as well.
0: So we're going to take our final break here. to go by really quickly. And when we come back, I really do want to talk more about this legacy fund and this mm-hmm. converting from a traditional business to a co-op because I've heard some stats like, uh, baby boomers own 70 75 percent of traditional businesses and there's going to be this huge transfer of wealth from baby boomers to either their children or they may even go out of business but we'll be we'll be right back please don't touch that dial Welcome back, everybody. The National Co-op Bank has sponsored this program for the last eight years. NCB's mission is to support and be an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, especially in low-income communities like Danville, Virginia, or Bluefield, West Virginia, or any other low-income community. It could be Southeast D.C. or Harlem, New York, although Harlem is being gentrified. It could be Crenshaw in L.A. Uh, although it looks like it's going to be gentrified if the blacks do not get to own the Crenshaw Mall. They're trying to make it into 43 acres since they're trying to make into co-ops and affordable housing co-ops. So National Co-op Bank really sees the benefit of getting people to know about co-ops. That's why they sponsor this program. So people like Cynthia Pinchback Hines and I don't have to go most of our life before we know about co-op and learn about the magic and of cooperation. And so you have five businesses, uh, learn about co-op, either get started or improve in this first round. You have the second mm-hmm. round coming up. Uh, go to coopcency.org, fill out the application before September 25th and get into this education. I'm going to look at that with my group to see if we will join that. I am excited about what you're doing, and you were, when we took break, you were talking about the legacy fund. And again, I have it that 70% of traditional business or some number like that are owned by baby boomers. And, mm-hmm. and we are going to retire or uh, move this business over, and too often the children don't want the business. So tell us about what this legacy fund is. You said a little bit about it before the break.
1: Right. Again, this is where we've had a number of agencies come together uh, for this, including the African-American Chamber, Black Achievers, and just the names of – well, there, there, there are several, put it that way. And we're in partnership with Co-Op and, and we have welcomed on board Christopher Bennett to – Manage this whole operation of finding businesses, you know, first of all, finding businesses that are in that position of wanting to switch over or make the transition because maybe, again, the owner has decided to retire or the owner just would like, you know, to make that transition. To leave a legacy again, and then transitioning, meaning that the people who work there, the workers, then buy the company, you know, from the owner. We also have a separate program whereby we've selected about five, five or six individuals to be a part of this uh, first cohort, also of folks who will go through a general management course. And um, because sometimes what happens is there are businesses that just don't want to, to transition because they don't know who could be in charge, you know, who's, who's going to take over. Maybe the people who work there aren't quite ready, you know, for that actual running the place necessarily. So there are individuals that we're actually training to help do that, people who own their own businesses as well and who are very connected to the, the cooperative model and training them then to become managers as well to help make the transition over. So it's, it's very unique. It's very different. It's very, I'd say, co-op for that matter. You know, we've been on the forefront of doing a lot of things. You know, we been the to, ones to kind of blaze the trail, you know, for other folks as an incubator. You know, that's one of the things that we, we do. And you mentioned, you know, co-op Dayton. I don't want to leave them out for sure because that's perhaps one of the greatest successes of the the whole incubator process. Here you have a, a city that's very close to Cincinnati, um, all kinds of issues around, you know, marginalization, poverty, just you name it. And they came to visit us. At the annual symposium, and from there, everything has blown up, and well, in a positive way. <laughs> um, they recently opened Jeff City Market. You know, it that was a, a food desert. I, I had the pleasure of being there on their opening day, and it was crazy. You know, just seeing all the people there. There's no place, nowhere to park. You know, first of all, uh, which was great. They had. Lines, you know, people just waiting to get checked out. I was excited for them. I'm still excited for them. They have over 5,000 members at this time, you know, that help support the business. And that's just one of their businesses. They have a land trust that they started. The whole idea of we need property, too, and have to understand, you know, this whole thing about the, the market, real estate. And they, they've just done that. They're um, a makerspace, you know that is already uh, in process. You know they're located; look, they have locations. They've done some test marketing for that, and just some brilliant work, you know, for for Co-op Dayton as well. But again, back so to really... the legacy fund. We, I mean, we 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 too are looking to expand the cooperative business model because we think it works. We think it's more recession-proof, you know, in the times especially and it's great for uh supporting you know uh you know what better way in other words to support the community than by actually living you know the principles the the Guide principles you know that we we often talk about
0: so i I gotta as i said i've been at three of the annual meetings in person before COVID, and um Mm -hmm. i was introduced to co-op dayton the folks there there were folks there from Los Angeles, a couple other mm-hmm. cities where you all were incubating. Um, Christine Barker and Michael Peck and others there were, were doing this work, and it's just phenomenal and, and really fascinating about what what kinds of things we can do when we work together. It's just yeah, really, really great. definitely, definitely, yeah. So I also want yeah. to let people know that I, I met doctor Pinchbeck Penchbeck-Hines because we are On a panel, the uh, NCBA is having their impact conference October 4th through the 8th is when they're having their impact conference. And we are on a panel of reimagining Appalachia. Ohio is in Appalachia, West Virginia. There are 13 states in Appalachia, starting from New York going down to Mississippi uh, in these mountain ranges. And so we're talking about reimagining Appalachia with co-ops. Poverty. Uh, you mentioned Dayton is the poverty. Well, it seemed like all of West Virginia, in particular, where I grew up in West and Bluefield, Mercer County and McDowell County, a lot of poverty. But how we how these communities can use co-ops? You've already mentioned to create jobs uh, is one of the things they do, but learn get their skill set. Mm-hmm. So. I'd like for people to go to this conference. It's virtual, uh, partially virtual, and then on Thursday and Friday, they're having some live events. I'm doing all virtual, the co-op and reimagining Appalachian. So I I really want to thank you so much for the work you're doing in this world. Uh, Do you like the work? I love the work. I really do.
1: And one of the things I didn't share with you is that, I mean, other than my teaching experience, I actually worked in corporate for 20 years, so that's where I also, and we talked about teaching. A lot of my training and all, I was in charge of training for Cogniz Corporation. I did it for the globally, in fact, and um, so I spent a lot of time understanding both sides, you know, the corporate world and the world of education. So I think I have a pretty good feel for both um, certainly perspectives that may be somewhat um, broader And, and uh, you know, for that matter For so those who've only been in one But I love what I do Because then I'm also um, able to live my values And that takes me back again to my childhood When I saw injustice in my childhood I just thought, you know, as I get older I, I wish there's something I You know, I didn't want to feel helpless and hopeless I've never felt that way. I just said, I want things to be better. And so I striving to do that. And in everything that I do, it's been intentional, whether it has been education or what I've done in even my corporate work. I've spent a lot of time diversity and inclusion, you know, there. And um, so today I can say that I am where I want to be, where I feel needed and appreciated. And I think a lot of that certainly has to do with, you know, the staff, the one that I work with,
0: but also because of the type of work that we do.
1: It is meaningful. Got, it does have an impact.
0: Dr. Hines, we we've got to go. I really Benchback. appreciate the work you're doing. Uh, everybody out there, co-ops help people come out of poverty with dignity. So oh, please join see, a co-op. One thing, with when it,
1: national, our annual um, event, again, is November 12th and 13th. And also wanted to put a plug in for Mona Jenkins because she is our new uh, food justice coordinator. It's got to go.
0: It's got to go.